Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, John here, typically being called Stanley on this particular show. Welcome to There Will Be Dungeons. Except there isn't going to be a There Will Be Dungeons this week. Sorry, hopefully that is not news to you. Uh, If it is, I apologize. But regardless, what I have for you is maybe a little bit of a special treat in lieu of an episode. So what we're going to be doing is a in-character recap. Stanley's going to handle that for us. We also have a, we'll call it a deleted scene of Hope and Varel and a little bit of what they got up to while Nash and Stanley were off on their little side adventure back in episodes 8 and 9, I think. And in addition to that, we're going to start with a different opening song created by none other than RDM Bo Schwartz. This was thrown out there very early on. And I think it's a rockin' tune, and I feel like it should be heard. And so we're putting it right at the start of the show. I hope you're all excited to hear it. I hope you'll stick around. We'll see you next week regardless. Enjoy. My name is Stanley Billings, and I've been tasked today to get you acquainted with the story so far. Now before we begin, let me be clear. What follows is a general summary of what has transpired. What that means is I might not tell you about the time that we went down a ton of stairs and got attacked by a bunch of giant spiders. But, if you're interested in the time we went down a ton of stairs and got attacked by giant spiders, I would recommend looking into learning the whole story when you have time. In the meantime, we're going to cover what happened in the broadest of strokes so you can get an idea of where we're at. So let's go ahead and introduce our party. First up, we have Orifi Akmenos, or as she is called by everyone, Hope. Hope is a good-natured tiefling whose pleasant disposition hides what a fierce and capable fighter she can be. 
preferring to fight at range with guns, Hope's skill in combat is second only to her knack at engineering and mechanics. In fact, she built the Fate 4, the vehicle we use to travel the waste. Next up, we have Nash Magard. This crusty scab of a human being is as difficult to talk to as he is powerful, which is considerable, sometimes even to the detriment of his own team. Nash worked in a place called the Solar Mines, which left his body riddled with horrible tumors and only one eye. He's quick to temper, unlikely to trust, and dangerous. But he's also... No, that's pretty much it. Oh, also his penis fell off. Our third member is Vorel Rasvim Kurik. Perhaps the most unlikely companion of ours, Vorel was making a living alone in the wasteland as some sort of nomadic lizardman barbarian. Vorel is actually quite well spoken, despite being relatively unfamiliar with the workings of typical society. Perhaps most notable is Vorel has no interest in possessions. When we met him, he carried absolutely nothing on his person. Now, he only seems to carry around a coin purse he was given after we earned our first large sum of gold. But any weapons he comes across, it's always in battle. And he doesn't seem to prize his own personal possessions beyond much of anything. He's very practical like that. I guess that brings us to me, Stanley Billings. I'm proud to say I'm a half-elf, as neither full-blooded humans or elves have ever impressed me all that much. My gift is certainly my ability to speak, and while that frequently gets me confused to be some sort of bard or storyteller, I assure you I am far more than that. Like anyone, I have a past, but it's not worth getting into now. What matters is my goal is to bring some semblance of order back to this world. Society is gone, and without it, everything is chaos. I would like to see that chaos restored to order, by any means necessary. Our story starts in the town of Dust Hill, a town that sprung up due to a seemingly endless supply of water that comes from a well in the town center. We were brought together under the seemingly auspicious purpose of a dinner with the leader of the town, called the Hillmaster. The Hillmaster recruited us to become the new hill guard, to replace the old. We were forced to work immediately, though, when the well stopped working the very day we were supposed to take over the job. Heading below the town, we discovered the generator had been sabotaged by the old hill guard, attempting to lure the hillmaster into a trap. We negotiated peace with them and repaired the engine, which was revealed to be a fabled dragon engine. However, the water was still not flowing, so the group descended further. Upon reaching the river under the town, the hillmaster was killed by a mystery assailant, throwing him down the pit. It was very disturbing. His head popped off and everything. Hope managed to restore the pump mechanism to working order, and not eager to climb back out of the well, we decided to do a little exploring of our own. We discovered an old dwarven ruin called Moog Ferrain. 
Inside, we encountered skeletal dwarves being reanimated to live in a loop over and over. They were being controlled by a demon named Quizquaz, the Dream Drinker. After a brief negotiation and a totally justifiable act of aggression, we battled Quizquaz and ultimately destroyed him. On our return to the surface, we found that the old hill god had also been killed. We were unsure who had done that as well. The news grew even more dire when we reached the surface and found that the town had been raided by goblins. Vorel challenged the goblins' champion in singles combat and won. This victory caused the goblins to retreat, but we discovered they did so with roughly 24 of the townspeople. While we repaired the town to survive while we chased the goblins, Vorel encountered one who had been left behind. After a fight, the goblin pledged itself to Varel, declaring him Lizard King. That goblin's name was Bok-Bok, and he ended up becoming an ally for the journey ahead. With some semblance of leadership and a militia in place, we set off in the Fate Four to get our people back. During the chase, we ran into an old naked hermit, weird light-emitting beetles, and were even attacked by the goblins themselves. After a lot of driving and fighting, the Fate Four needed repairs before we'd be able to continue. We decided to investigate an antenna that was sticking up from the sand while repairs were being made. However, both Nash and myself were pulled under. Beneath the desert, we met two gnomes, Chance and Eddie. They had also been pulled under the sand and were trapped just like us. We found our way into an underground facility controlled by a computer called Leopold. We learned that this structure was an ancient black site prison housing great evils of the world. Leopold tried to prevent us from leaving, but we made a deal with the sentient tree to destroy the facility in exchange for a way out. We did manage to blow the facility up. However, Chance and Eddie both fell back into the facility as it exploded, and they didn't make it. We found Varel and Hope, though, still waiting for us, but there was little opportunity for celebration. No sooner did we see them than a massive dragon rose out of the sands and took to the sky. To make matters even worse, we were now being chased by unknown forces in vehicles while we still pursued the goblins who were ahead of us. It didn't leave us much time to catch up on what had transpired, but when I think about it, I still wonder what Varel and Hope got up to while we were under the sands. Hope, let us engage in the gossip together. The gossip, you say? Yes. Well, I guess the choice is Nash or Stanley first. Well, I've actually had quite a bit of time to sit down in the mobile here, as well as in our dank underground, to talk with Stanley. And Nash is a curious fellow. I'd actually like to know more about you. Me? me. Well, you know, Varel, usually when you gossip about people, it's not with them there. It's rather dishonest. Humans are dishonest folk. I'm learning this. So, but but back to the point. You wanted to talk about me. Oh, you're the one I don't know, 
Nash seems rather easy to figure out. A panicky man with a mysterious past imbued with powers that he may not understand. And what, what, a danger to himself and everyone around him. But a kind-hearted soul. Stanley, a man out for himself. And not much more than that, it would seem. You know, you're very perceptive. I wouldn't have expected that from a lizard. You'd be surprised at how few questions I get asked and how much time I'm allowed to think for myself. So, what questions do you have? Well, I thought perhaps we could uh, build a fort or dig a hole or have some sort of mutual activity to let our friendship blossom. Dig a hole. I've never heard that one for building friendships, but I'm willing to try it. No, any sort of project is is suitable for building a friendship. You can uh, dig a hole. We could go for a walk. We could watch the stars. Let's watch the stars. I'm sure. Did, I'm sure your your family told you stories about them. From what I remember, yes. What did they tell you? What, what's your favorite star and what kind of legend does it hold? Well, uh, we have the red one there. Yes. Exantos. E- Exantos. Exantos, yeah. Exantos. He moves across the sky, sometimes visiting other stars, always overlapping them. Uh, that, that red one there, yes. Sometimes he goes behind the moon. And depending on... Which part the red dragon is visiting in the sky? You can read into the future, perhaps. Or at least catch a gleam of events to come. The future? I wouldn't have expected you for one to tell the portents of the future, Varel. Is that so unexpected? The future is all around us. You can uh, see a rock and know you'll stub your toe if you do not deviate off your present path. The future is an easy thing to tell. But what about the past? So, so let me show you mine. You see that that twinkling one right up there and how it connects to the two other stars next to it? That's the portal from where the dragons came from. The portal? Well, yes. The legends there. there the portal where the dragons came and they infested this world. And so the humans, it was just humans at the time, they made a pact, the dark pact with the demons Half of me, half of my people. But the pact was never made, and that's why the dragons were able to ravage this world. You don't see many dragons these days. Well, no, I'm pretty sure they're all extinct. But imagine, Burrell, imagine being able to go back to the past and seeing them in their full glory and the demons unadulterated with the humans fighting Sounds like chaos. Sounds like war. Varel, uh, this may be because, you know, we're, we're becoming friends now, but what if I told you? What if I told you that that's my purpose? To what? To go back in the past. Into the past? Yeah, yes, to complete the Dark Pact, to stop the dragons from ruining this world. That's a, that's a lot to do. It's it's a big task. I'm not beyond it, though. Oh, I'm I'm impressed. Believe me, this uh, this is a bit more honorable than stealing an extra coin, building a place for yourself, 
or perhaps even seeking revenge, I see it as... I would see it, I should say, as an unachievable feat, but I did just watch two men sucked below the sand, conversed not days ago with a skeleton, and... Dis- Kill a demon! Yes. There is uh, there is much of this world that my time in the desert did not teach me about. So, how will you do it? How does one return to the past? Well, from what I've gathered from the stories of my people and a few other stories from other people, the dragon engines. It all revolves around the dragon engines. You, you, you get one and you do something with it and you go back to the past. The dragon engine being that small device in Dust Hill. Yes, exactly. If the past requires fixing, then the present and the future is broken. Yes, it is. I mean, look at all around us. This this dead world when there was a river. It's proof that this used to be teeming with life. And then all of the people, they have such such sad backstories. Why not then? Except this world is broken perhaps even unfixable outside of your means and do everything necessary to see the future done right. Why waste your time on these ultimately pathetic humans? For me, I am honor bound. I became a servant of Dust Hill and the people are missing and now we seek to rectify the wrongs. But why bother with this quest? Why not just return to Dust Hill set the past in the proper motion and kill anybody along the way because they ultimately wouldn't be alive in the new future anyway. The killing people, I don't want to make them sadder than they already are, right? Do do you... You have emotions, correct? Yes. So, do you like seeing people hurt? No. I'd say not in general, no. So that's why I don't kill them, right? And also because it creates bigger problems. Because if you kill one person, you got to kill more people. It never just stops with one, believe me. I know that. No, you humans are pretty good at watching after your own genus. Uh, Speaking of which, apologies? or I'm awful confused. Uh, What appears to be our truly human brethren is malformed and unsocial our most perhaps human companion gets spoke to all the time in various made-up languages about the shape of his ears and you perhaps receive the most wary looks for having what is basically the horns of a grazer on your head yes are you human am i um, oh no well Half of me is. Half of me is human. The other half is part demon. You should see the dreams I have sometimes. And demons identify as mountaintop grass eaters? Well, it's more a a way of combat, right? You butt heads. But with tieflings, you literally butt heads. So it's a dominance. Yes. And I was lucky to be blessed with some of the bigger horns. Some of them, they don't have very big horns. I see. So you are 
bountiful, healthy, ba- bountiful, virile. Oh, oh, ch- children. I guess that is the ultimate purpose of being fertile. Oh no, real no, uh, no children for me in my past or my future. What about you? What about you, the big lizardman who's grilling the tiefling? Do you have any offspring? No, no, that would be that would be quite silly. Quite silly? Why would that be silly? Don't don't you? I do you mature? How fast does it take for a little lizard to grow up? Oh, about six years or so. Uh, eight for fighting age and size. That's pretty fast. Why wouldn't you have little ones running around all the time? Well, they're a resource drain for one, but there is no greater power or force suggesting I do so. So so you, you don't even have an urge to create little Varels. That urge would go against the, the base notions of survivability and effectiveness in our current predicament. That's fair. I didn't think of it that way. I mean, if I I could, I'd have a few, but not in this present situation. It's a bit bleak of a world, if you know what I mean. Often a booming lizard populace means there is a large benefactor at work. We lizards are, how should I put this, fiercely logical. And children are very illogical. And without the purpose of war or a higher calling, they would be wasted. So, so you talk about about an alpha, basically. How does a lizard become an alpha? How is if it's not logical or it's not about war? How do you even find yourself in that kind of a position if you don't seek it out? How do you mean? Well, you you talk about lizards not being very driven in terms of society, right? You live alone, and it sounds like a lot of other of your kind live alone. So how does one even put together a lizard family and work as a group? Is there no desire whatsoever? Probably not too different than the human organizations. It's just that it requires the initial bump. Humans are brought together for all kinds of situations. Imagine imagine planning the next 20 years of meals first. And then being willing to have the children. Ah, so so a lizard with foresight. And that's why you think about the future so much. It's a useful thing, thinking about the future. Oftentimes, lizards are not the proprietors of their own future. The before times, of I've, as I've heard it told, the dragons themselves appeared before the lizards and giving them such great purpose began a breeding program to raise an army. Where did you get your stories from? My story? Well, perhaps that is a story for another time. Oh, Varel! You want to try the backpack? The backpack. Oh! That metal hunk you had me haul out. Yes! Of dust hill. What is this thing? So this, it's a jetpack. It was, as far as I can tell, created by the dwarves. You, you you put it on like this. Let me help you. And you, 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 you put your arm through there. All right, great. Now the other arm. Uh, all right. All right. How does it feel? Heavy and hard. All right. Well, with this, you, you see the little button you have there mm-hmm. in your hand? You hit it, and it launches you up into the sky. 
For what purpose? To fly. You know how much speed you have? You could be above all the enemies and then rain down upon them like a, a scaled terror. What would I rain upon them? You could rain yourself upon them. Imagine being able to jump so high that when you land on your enemy, it incapacitates them. Wouldn't I? Would I be incapacitated too of falling and whatnot? Seems right. Maybe. I've never tried it, to be honest. Well, let's give it a shot. So that's how it works. So we found ourselves back to chasing goblins, but all while being chased ourselves. Our pursuers finally caught up, and we learned they were a group called the Toyota Host, being led by Chromakishi warriors, serving something known as the Principal. This is all stuff we would learn later, as we were ultimately overrun, the fateful was damaged once again, and we were arrested. They took us to a place called Slave Town to undergo trial. We found out this is also where they had taken the captured people of Dust Hill. It seems some time ago the Hillmaster sold out Dust Hill's location, and now Slave Town saw it as a place that it could go and pick resources from. Under the control of the principal, guilt is determined in a trial of combat in a place called the Rusty Cage. So we were pitted against five Chromakishi initiates, and while the old man we found in the desert was unfortunately killed, we did ultimately win the fight and prove our innocence. This was considered unheard of, and it immediately made us a party of interest in the town. We now find ourselves trapped in a civil war struggle for control and power. On one side is Celibus Stump, the owner of the Buxom Confederate. He's a slaver with the backing of the principal. He's got his eye on hope in particular, it seems. The other side is the jeweler, who runs a brothel called the Sapphire. He wants to see the town restored to what it was before it became Slave Town, when it was known as Pristine. However, he's also clearly a criminal. That said, he's also the one I'm backing. So we find ourselves pulled in multiple directions, looking for the deed to a mind that will ultimately tip the scales in someone's favor, and hopefully free our people. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. G zero R the number four T H. That's right, Gorath.